And it's a story about Alexander the Great. And I don't know uh, if it's a direct quote uh, in how this happened, because although I'm old, I'm not that old. But there's a story about Alexander the Great who was walking through a city with his trusted aide by his side. And they come upon a lady who was begging for alms. And Alexander reached in his pocket and handed her gold coins. And as they walked away, his aide looked at him and said, Sire, copper coins would have been befitting her need. And Alexander looked at him and said, Yes, but gold coins are befitting the king. That really got a hold of me from this standpoint. He didn't let the situation dictate who he was and how he would respond. He recognized and knew who he was and said, I will respond accordingly, regardless of what the situation is. And it caused me to think about living generously. And again, we can talk about that from a financial standpoint. I'm not here to do that. We can always talk about the things with money. But what I want to talk about is living generously in our relationships with one another. Do I live like a king when I'm around other people? Especially other people who may not agree with me in certain areas. Can I still give them entrance and not have to defend my way? There's a reason why I'm starting with this. And we kind of started a couple weeks ago when I was talking about dreaming big and believing God. I want to read uh, a couple things to you as soon as I can find them again. I have been, over the last few months, God has really put it on my heart to go back and study revival. If we're going to be expecting and be involved in a move of God, it would be nice to kind of know, God, here's what you've done in the past. Even though what's going to happen isn't going to be the exact same way, we can learn from what has already taken place. Amen? So I got a hold of this, and if you're interested in this, I got it from Kindle. It was a whole 99 cents. And it's called the Azusa Papers. When the Azusa Street Revival broke out, they began to put together a newspaper that would document everything that took place. And they would, they would print it from time to time. And this is a year and a half of those papers. And this first one starts out, it's Los Angeles, uh, September 1906. It says, the power of God has agitated this city as never before. Pentecost has surely come, and with it Bible evidences are following, many being converted and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as they did on the day of Pentecost. The scenes that are daily enacted in the building on Azusa Street and at missions and churches in other parts of the city are beyond description, and the real revival has only started. As God has been working with His children mostly getting them through to Pentecost and laying the foundation for a mighty wave of salvation among the unconverted. See, we've talked about the fact that we're involved in a move of God and God is, is doing something. And as, as we were talking and praying in, in pre-service prayer, we're not praying for revival to come. Revival's here. It may not look like it's going to look, but it, I, when I read this, I thought, God, 
Isn't this just the way that he, you're moving now? You're starting with us and working mostly with your children and getting us prepared, laying the foundation so that the mighty wave of salvation among the unconverted can happen. And so we've got to do our part and not just expect God to show up unannounced some Sunday and all of a sudden the masses are going to start coming to Christ. No, he's, he's well capable of doing that, but he desires for you and I to be partners with him, which means we need to begin to act and move and work with him. Amen? So here is one of the other statements. And this one I thought was quite telling. Sorry. I'll hold it out here to where when I read I don't... It says, many churches have been praying for Pentecost and Pentecost has come. The question is now, will they accept it? God has answered in a way they did not look for. And that's the same thing that happens in every revival. See, we have a way that we think God is going to move and we have a, a desire and we, and we have preconceived ideas of what a move of God looks like and how it should be. And yet God is going to do it differently every time and He's always going to come in a way that you and I are not prepared for. And the question is, when revival shows up, can we accept it? Because God isn't going to do it the way He did it before. So in talking about living generously and in talking about revival being here, here's some of the things that, that came to me. How are we going to respond when God uses somebody that we weren't necessarily ready for him to use? How are we going to respond when God uses someone else in an area that we are quite gifted in, but he chose to use that person instead? See, I, I don't know about you. I didn't grow up in a big family. But I had some of the same issues that you would have in a big family. If you grew up in a big family, sometimes when mealtime came and you sat down to eat, you made sure you got your share and that you wouldn't starve. So you made sure that I was faster than some of the other of my siblings. Well, in my family, that wasn't the case. It was just me and my brother. But I knew this. I knew there was a limited amount of food, and if I wasn't, if I didn't eat fast, I wouldn't make sure that I got all I, all that I needed. Well, here's the challenge. See, we think that way about God sometimes, and sometimes we think here's this pie, and it's cut into X amount of slices, and when God all of a sudden wants to use somebody who we're not used to, all of a sudden that cuts the my slice down and my slice gets smaller. But that's not the way it works. See, the real challenge for you and I is how do we respond when God chooses to bless and use somebody else? Because that can be a real issue. Uh, and again, there's a reason why I'm the one who's sharing this. Someone always has to walk before. And unfortunately, I've been that person in so many areas. Of, well, wait a minute. If, if we're 
doing this and I've got X amount of dollars, then I can't give to that because then it takes away from what I might need over here. If God chooses to have somebody come on a uh, group of Wednesdays and do eight weeks on a Wednesday, that means I don't get to teach. How do I handle that? How generously do we live? Are we constantly threatened when someone else is promoted? Are we threatened when someone else takes a position that we think we ought to have? God, I don't understand why you use them and not me. Emphasis on me. Because if those issues are present now, can you imagine as the revival grows and blossoms and all of a sudden you get the unconverted coming and people who've maybe known God two weeks are all of a sudden standing up and speaking and the power of God is falling. And God is using people that we never dreamed he would. How are we going to handle that? See, we all think that, man, when the move of God comes, it's all going to be great and wonderful and everything is going to just fit and flow together. I got news for you. There are going to be some issues. And we're going to have to work through some things. So, in kind of talking about this, we're going to talk about, uh, and this, that was kind of just the prelude to getting into this, to talk about, Community to talk about oneness. John chapter 17. And we'll start with verse 11. John 17, 11 says, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. That they may be one. See, God has three persons, but it's only one God. Perfect unity, perfect harmony, never a struggle, no strife. I'm not a big fan of dancing with the stars. I know that kind of looks like I just took a giant leap, the quantum leap, but no, <laughs> stick with me here. Stick with me here. But there's something about watching professional dancers who do ballroom dancing that the moment the person who leads is stepping forward, the other person is stepping back in perfect unison. Perfect movement, perfect flow. And it's like they're joined from the waist up and yet 
their legs as one moves, there's never any space in between because they're moving so perfectly in unison. That's how God wants you and I to be moving just like that in such flow, first with him and then with each other, that when one steps, the other stepping as well and we're just moving together. Now, a great illustration for this, from my standpoint, is a worship team. Because you get a worship team, and no matter how big it is, whether it's got six people, whether it's got 20. I've been parts of worship teams where we had probably about 16 different musicians and seven different singers. But the challenge is, you can get people who can play the notes... but still have to learn how to flow with one another. How to know when one instrument steps to the forefront and the others back off to give them space so that that instrument can come forth and and play. And how to mesh together to where one's not overpowering the other. And you get to so many different things. And as I've worked with worship teams and done stuff over the years, uh, I laugh because the poor people who run the sound in the back have a tremendous challenge because I, I've listened to it and it's not happening here. So I want you to know right now, this is not directed right here. OK, we're, we're not we're not here. But at a previous church I was at, one of the issues happened was that somebody couldn't hear. So it's, you got to turn me up. Well, when they turn that person up, the next person goes, well, I can't hear. You got to turn me up. And so pretty soon you keep turning up every instrument and now all you've done is stack a bunch of noise and nobody can hear anything. There's no joining together. Even though they're all tremendous musicians that can hit all the notes and know exactly what to do, there's no unity. There's no flow. There's no meshing together and allowing the, the, the Holy Spirit, the opportunity to say, I want to call this instrument out. And so let's create room right here for this instrument where everybody else backs off and this instrument moves or voice moves to the forefront. See, that only happens when you spend time. You don't learn how to flow with one another by accident. It happens as you spend time together and you begin to, and that's true whether it be the worship team or whether it be right here in ministry, whether it be people who teach together, people who minister together, there's that flow that has to come that comes with getting to know each other's heart, getting to know and be able to know and recognize how another one moves and ministers and then be able to join those together and begin to fit and flow together. And God's calling us to be one. And when I'm one, my body moves together. It doesn't, part of me go one way and part of me go the other. When I'm one, I look out across the the people and I say, when that person gets Promoted when that person gets blessed, when God chooses to use them, maybe even instead of me in an area, then I'm excited because we're one. There's a lot of things that can happen when people are one. Even without God. You remember the story about the Tower of Babel. 
the people all got together and God and, and as they were beginning to build this tower to get reach into heaven God said the people are all of one heart one mind there is nothing that's impossible for them that's unregenerate people people who don't know God if that was available to them how much more should be available to you and I if we'll begin to understand and how to flow and be one. And you know what? There is such a power in that. The enemy is going to try and do everything to keep that from happening. And you and I are going to have to make a decision that regardless of what happens, regardless of something that might have been said, regardless of an action that might have taken place, regardless of maybe just a preconceived thought where I saw something and I read something into it that wasn't there. I've got to stand in faith and believe the best in every person because we're one. Look down, same chapter, let's look down at verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. That means you and me. That they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That they may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus has said in verse 11 that the glory you've given me, I want them to have. Now, being one must be a very big thing. It must be a real challenge if it's going to take God's glory to get us to that point. Now, see, that's something, that's something until about seven days ago. Even though I'd read this, I don't know how many times over the years, it all of a sudden dawned on me, God, it's going to take your glory just to get us all together? How much of a challenge does that mean this is going to be? How much opportunity are you and I going to have as 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, when there's envy and strife, are you still not being carnal? How much of an issue is that going to continue to be where you and I have to become one? And here's what he says at the end that we just read. As soon as I can find it again, that's what happens when The glory you have given me, I have given them, verse 22, that they may be one as we are one. But look what it says at the end of verse 21. That they may be in us also, so that, so that the world might believe that you sent me. Now I'm going to make a big statement here. So hang with me. Maybe the reason why we're not seeing the results that we want to see of people coming into the kingdom who have heard our messages, maybe it's because they don't see us being one. And they go, I'm hearing what you say, but I'm not seeing it. If God has done all this wonderful stuff for you, then how is it you guys can't get along? That hurts me. And yet if that's the way that they're going to know that God sent Jesus, it becomes incumbent upon you and I to make sure that we walk in unity. 
they will know we are Christians by our, not by our message, not by our demonstration of the gifts and the power. That's wonderful. But they're going to know that we're Christians and that we're going to know that God sent Jesus by you and I walking in unity. See, they've seen... They've seen the ministers come and go. They've seen the people with big ministries that have fallen. They've seen people who get up and speak on Sunday. And Monday their lives don't look like it. And I'm raising my hand for a reason. But what they haven't seen is a group of people who would flow together and become so part of being one and being family. I've been on a quest for this for 30 plus years, looking for a group of people that would come together to where it was. And, and I've, I've been there at times and seen just I've seen glimpses of it where, uh, and I'll tell you a story. We, we lived two awful years in East Texas. Um, Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. I say, tell people, I said, Paul never went to Texas. <laughs> I'm just saying. You, if you're from Texas and you like it, that's fine. Where we lived, it was, it was, it was interesting at the, at le- to say the least. But one of the things that happened there, we had a church of 600 people. We were the only integrated church in our city. People had come. There were two people who were part of the town originally. The other 598 of us had moved there from all over the country to go to school there and be a part of this. And there were times it was hell on earth. But one of the things that happened, and one of the glimpses I got, if you had a need and it didn't matter what it was, if there was anybody that had the capability to meet that need, they met it, no questions asked. We lived in a home that had no heat and no air conditioning. It got minus 8 in the wintertime and it got 98 with 100% humidity in the summertime. When someone understood that, They said, I've got a window air conditioner here at yours. You began to, even if you didn't, even if you weren't financially in a place to be able to do something, you learned how to trade out skills that you had to bless your church family. We walked into town and I had no job and 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 about three weeks in I decided to go get a haircut, and there was a lady who was part of the church. Uh, who I hadn't met yet, but people in the church said, this is who you need to go to. And I walked in the door, and she goes, oh, you're one of the people that just come in. I remember you standing up. I said, yes, my name is Benjamin. She goes, God spoke to me and said, I'll cut your hair the entire time you live here for nothing. Now, she was struggling financially. 
But I saw that glimpse of people coming together where people would all of a sudden say, you need someone to watch your children, I'll watch your children. There's something here that I can make and give back into another area. We begin to fit and, and come together as a family apart, and I'll say this, apart from the staff at the church. This wasn't something they organized. This was something that people just came together and did because, quite frankly, we were all in the same boat. Everybody was struggling. But it developed such a sense of oneness that it wasn't uncommon to hear a story about a family saying, I've got hot dog weenies. And someone else got, I got flour. Let's get the two families together. We'll do dinner. Pigs in a blanket. Because that was all each family had. Or here, I had a key to my car made. You come and borrow it anytime you want. You don't need to ask. You just come and take it. See, there were, there were elements of coming together and operating as a family. That you would, what you would do for your kids, you would do for everybody. And God is wanting to get us there in some areas. Turn to Acts chapter 2. This has gone a completely different way than I thought it was. Starting in verse 42, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Notice that only one of those things looks like a Sunday morning. See, if all we're doing is we're, is we're getting together here on Sunday morning, which is wonderful. I love every, t- every time I walk in the door. I so love being here and being here with this group of people. But we got to get beyond what just takes place here on Sunday morning. That would cover the apostles' teaching in some areas. But fellowship? It's not time for fellowship on Sunday mornings. Breaking of bread? Yeah, there's a few people that might get together and go out after church, but it's not all that common. And a prayer. And then notice what followed that. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. In other words, everybody's noticing that God is showing up. Everybody's recognizing there's an anointing that's present. Everybody understands that, wait a minute, God has moved into our midst. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Notice that the signs and wonders didn't come until after that. There's a principle, I'll have to share this in close, but we'll we'll end it right here, which means I've got a whole other message for another time. (laughs) There's a principle that's called the principle of entrainment. And what entrainment means is that any two things that are on the same frequency will resonate together. Now, this became an issue years ago because they didn't know anything about acoustic engineering. And, and some of us were alive to remember there's a bridge that was in Tacoma that it, it spanned, the, they called it the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, I believe. And I don't remember the, the date in particular. It was probably, I believe, in the late 50s. They built this bridge, and at the time it was like the third longest span bridge 
around. And they would have these winds that would come rustling through this area. Well, they didn't know anything about acoustic engineering. So the, the things, the, the big cables that suspended this bridge became like a great big bass guitar. And they begin to resonate and they begin to vibrate. And when it began to vibrate, now the whole bridge, because it was all on the same frequency, the whole bridge began to vibrate. And you can watch, I actually somewhere on a DVD have a picture of this. You watch this bridge and it is a metal and concrete bridge that is vast, just vibrating and pulsating. And you watch it, I think it did it for three days where it went from being down here to being higher than the ceiling. It would just, the whole bridge just up and down and just like, just like in waves before the whole thing couldn't handle it anymore and collapsed. Because they were all on the same frequency. Actually, this, this story uh, starts where this scientist who lived next to this guy who made cuckoo clocks uh, walked into this guy's store and he noticed these two cuckoo clocks who, that were exactly the same and the pendulums were swinging together. And the scientist, being a scientist, thought that's odd, so he knocked it out of whack to where now they're, they're swinging like this. And he came back I don't know, a couple days, maybe a day later, and all of a sudden, the pendulums were back. So he knocked it out another way again to where it was doing something different. And he came back a couple days later, and once again, the pendulums, because the things were on the same frequency and they have been made the same, they resonated together. Now, here's where this gets really interesting. God has a frequency. And if you and I will get in agreement with him, we will begin to flow together. And where this really gets exciting is God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Have I not said it? Will I not make it good? See, God can't lie. First of all, God can't lie because he's incapable. But the second part of that would be God can't lie because everything that God says is. If 2 plus 2 equals 4, and God said 2 plus 2 equals 5, we would have to revise all our math. Because as soon as God said it, it would be the truth. So what happens is, when you and I walk in entrainment, resonating and moving on the same frequency of God, if everything that God says is, what about everything you say? You want to watch sickness leave? You want to watch demons come out? You want to watch people's lives turned in an instant? Get on God's frequency. Begin to move with Him. And as you begin to move with Him and we begin to move together as one, remember what was said of the early disciples? Are these the guys that have turned the whole world upside down? Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together? Unless they're agreed. If two or three agree as touching anything, he didn't put a limitation to that. If two or three agree as touching anything, 
It shall be done. Not might be, not maybe, not if if God's in a good mood. It shall be done by my heavenly Father. Why? Because we're walking in the principle of entrainment, first with God and with each other. Oh, I'm telling you, there's a move of God that's here. And we're at that stage where people can look around and go, well, I really don't really see much yet. Well, I just want to refer you back to Elijah after prophesying, and it hadn't rained for over three years. And all of a sudden, Elijah says, I hear the abundance of rain. And he sends his, I don't know if it's his servant, and says, I want you to go look. Six times he went and looked. Absolutely nothing. I don't see a cloud in the sky. There is absolutely nothing that says your word's coming true. Elijah sending back the seventh time. He comes back the seventh time and says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Well, how many of you know a cloud the size of a man's hand is not going to produce an abundance of rain? But everything needed to produce the abundance of rain was within that cloud. We haven't seen what this move of God that we're experiencing is going to look like. But everything necessary to bring that move of God is already, already here. And when you and I stop saying it's out there somewhere and it's coming and start declaring that it's already here, I already hear the abundance of rain. When you and I will start declaring that, we will start seeing the beginning fruits of it. And just like that little blurb I read from 1906 in what people have said is one of the greatest revivals that ever hit the earth. God is working mostly with His children right now, laying the foundation for the wave, the mighty wave of the unconverted to come. We have heard about this day. We have dreamt about this day if you've been a believer for long. There are people whose scripture says long to see your day. I heard someone say this and I'll say this in close. Someone was talking and they said, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can go and and ask Moses What was it like when the Red Sea parted? Or Joseph, and that was one of my statements you've heard me say before. What was it like? How did you hold that dream while you were were in prison? How How did you stand there in faith day after day in a prison, knowing that your brothers were supposed to bow down to you at some point? And we can go on and on and on through Scripture and take just about anybody. But here's what the person said that really caused me to think. He said, no, no, no. Actually, what's going to happen is they're going to come to you and say, what was it like to walk with the presence of God daily? 
What was it like to house the Holy Spirit where he didn't come and go? He was always there. Tell me what that was like because I have no concept of that. What are we going to do with what we've been given? We have got to come together. We have got to begin to fit and flow and begin to join as one and bury, not only just burying each other's burdens, but, but stepping foot into each other's lives. Just wade in knee deep. To where I have to be there to meet a need that you have and you have to be there to meet a need that I have and then when somebody gets up who we think well that might not be the person I'd have chosen oh I'm so excited though and can I tell you you saw that this morning how many times have you seen Delbert get up and walk to the microphone? And he was right on the money. And if you and I, if we're honest with one another and we sat here and we said God was going to have something to say to us this morning, would he have been the person that you would have thought of to deliver it? But oh man, I'm so excited that it was. Because God's given us word pictures to show us how we fit and flow together. How we begin to become one. How we begin to rejoice when somebody else gets pulled out and used in an area. We've got to rejoice with people who rejoice. And I'm going to say this. When people came forward this morning, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. But was there anybody who came forward for the first time to receive Jesus this morning when they came forward for prayer? Okay. We still rejoice with those who came to get things right. that's incredibly important. So I want to put a challenge out to you. How are you and I going to respond when God does something in a way that you and I aren't looking for? When God uses someone else that maybe we were shocked that he determined he wanted to use? Or maybe he used a gift that we had but pulled it out of somebody else? How are you and I going to respond? Are we going to respond as kings? And say, you know what? I can be all in with that. Because I know my God.